Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, AWS Enterprise Strategist Tom Soderstrom is joined by Jeff Cavanaugh, Chief Learner and Sharer at the Infosys Knowledge Institute, and Elon Glacier, Principal Specialist of Machine Learning at AWS, to discuss how organizations can utilize technology to develop and execute practical sustainability initiatives. Welcome to this AWS Conversations with Leaders podcast. My name is Tom Soderstrom. I'm an AWS Enterprise Strategist. Today, we're going to talk about what is arguably the most burning and sometimes drowning problem facing humanity, sustainability. I'm exceptionally pleased to be joined by two industry luminaries, Jeff Cavanaugh from Infosys and Elon Glacier from AWS. We're going to talk about practical advice for sustainability. ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance, has been talked about for a long time. We're going to hear from our panelists what's happening now and what they think will happen next. Putting customers first, we now have 8 billion customers, the entire population at stake. So let's hear from our panelists. Jeff, can you introduce yourself? Sure, and thanks for having me. Jeff Kavanaugh, I look after the Infosys Knowledge Institute, which is the research and thought leadership arm of Infosys, leading tech services and consulting company. Fantastic. And Ilan, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, Ilan Glazer. I'm a machine learning specialist leading the machine learning and high-performance computing efforts for the global impact computing business team at AWS, where I focus on circular economy, climate risk, and ESG. Thank you very much. So where do businesses start with sustainability? What does the technology look like that contribute to it? Let's start with you, Jeff. Our own company's journey, we were a good lab for ourselves, began with reduction. You could call it becoming more efficient. You instrument and lower your usage of energy, electricity, and you take it to the bare minimum that you can. Once you get to a certain point, you then move to these renewables. So you've got to have some level of energy, even if it is unavoidable. You make it as green as possible. You look at solar, you look at renewable, you look at ways of changing your sources. And then finally, what you can't get beyond, you offset in an intelligent way, not through purchased offsets, but maybe by doing something good for an NGO or for a social organization. Where to start is become very efficient, which is also good for the bottom line. That helps you as you digitally transform yourself as a person, as a community, or as a company. That's wise words. Elon, where should companies start with sustainability? And what does this technology look like that will contribute? The way we're approaching this is that we are all agreeing that sustainability is no longer just a buzzword or nice to have for the businesses, right? So practical sustainability for us goes beyond just implementing a few green initiatives and compliance regulations. It's really about finding the innovative solutions using the latest technologies, such as AI, ML, blockchain, IoT, high-performance computing, to name a few that have a positive impact on both the environment and on the business itself. Right? It means adopting strategies that not only reduce carbon emissions and waste, but also contribute to the company's bottom line. Right? So one way to understand practical sustainability is to look at the concept of circular economy, because I personally believe that all the economic incentives across all the agents, the government, the firms, and the consumers have to be aligned. So from my perspective, where should they start? Of course, I'm going to be biased here. I was Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory for a long time. 
there was an argument in the beginning, is there global climate change or not? When we look at it from space, there's no question. You see it, you can track it, you can monitor it. So I think participating in the growing space economy is one way to get started. And there are a lot of startups that you can join, sponsor, start that are doing that today. A simple way is, and this is going to sound self-serving, is if you host in AWS, you are automatically reducing the amount of carbon you generate. Because AWS and the other cloud providers are highly focused on sustainability. AWS is the largest purchaser of renewable energy. 19 of the regions is now powered by sustainable uh, renewable energy. So that's one easy way to get started. And if you're an enterprise, you get credit from your sponsors. Another way to get started is to look at something called Amazon Sustainability Data Initiative. It's really about storing data for the public good that other people can benefit from and write applications to that they can sell. So there's a business aspect and there is doing good aspect here. Another one, one of those big ticket items, and I'd love to hear Jeff's thoughts on this, is methane. Methane is one of our biggest problems because it's going faster than anything else. It's a scary surge, as it's been called. It costs 25% of our global heating today. But there is a solution. So if we could solve that, we could reduce the global temperature. If we solve it by 2030, we could reduce it by 0.7 degrees, which is a huge amount. So finding a big problem and tackling that yourself as a company or through others is a great way to get started. Jeff, any thoughts on the methane? Is that something you've been studying? It is. On a bit of a lighter note, our family farm goes back you know, five generations, and we have a dairy barn from the 1890s. is a fairly large one. And it had these two tubes that were built in where the cows would come in to pull the methane away because you don't realize it, but if you didn't engineer for that, even back then, part electricity, you had a real problem. So it's interesting. Methane has been the bane of our existence in many ways for a long time. It's a complex combination because also putting my farmer hat on, when you think about agriculture, you think about dairy, you think about livestock and feeding a population, doing it sustainably, you want to reduce the methane and yet you also need to have the food supplies. The biggest point I'd like to make isn't necessarily what the specific solution is. It's to take a systems design approach to it because the second and third order consequences of our decisions, some cases creating the energy, the pollution, or the greenhouse gas emission. Also, sometimes we may have a well-intended approach. It may involve trade-offs, like for example, whether pursuing natural gas, which isn't the ultimate answer, but can reduce in the short term as a bridge, or even nuclear. And of course, whether it's solar or wind, you disrupt the local ecosystems. Sometimes when you put those in place, whether it's offshore or we have some wind turbines and some of our properties that people are considering, but has an ecological impact as well. But I think understanding the trade-offs is important. And also, what are the bridge solutions that allow us to innovate, like Elon said a minute ago, to get us to a better answer? I think that's terrific. So if you look at NASA, for instance, they have lots of satellites, and one of them is EMET. It's detected 50 super emitters across the world already. So you detect it. Now what do you do with it? Elon, you mentioned the circular economy. I like what Jeff said here about looking at the whole thing as a system. What do you think about that? Yeah, so from a systems perspective, the circular economy helps enable action for sustainability at scale. Going back to the question of where do companies start, this is exactly what we're here for, right? So I get that question a lot from our customers. 
everybody understands that they want to start comply with some of those regulations. They're coming in Europe about sustainability, circular economy, but they're, to be honest, a little bit lost given that they're not specific standards. So everybody wants to know, okay, where do we even start, right? So what we're doing is creating a framework that's 100% data-driven, creating a sustainability data lake, a circular economy data lake, where we help companies understand how circular or how sustainable is their businesses and how is that driving value to their business, which is very important for them. How sustainable is your business is a function of the design process of your product. What we've done is we broke down the product development lifecycle into pillars, the product design, the inputs that go into producing your product, your operations, the product use, and end of use. And then for each one of those pillars, we help customers gather data so they can understand the status quo of where they are now. This is where they start, understanding from a data perspective, where is it that they are now? So then they can make commitments and work towards those commitments in the near future. Excellent. Now, I appreciate that. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. As we're talking about business and what we're seeing across the world today is a lot of new national space organizations. And they're driven by the customers, citizens wanting to do a good job about sustainability. So if we talk about positive impact to business and the environment, do you have any examples that you would say this is a good example of positive impact to business and doing good for the world? Let's start with you, Jeff. We began looking at this many years ago, maybe having a headquarters in, in India gave it a non-Western perspective to start. You're looking at frugal innovation, things like that. Over the course of 10 years, we actually became fully carbon neutral. The things that we found, and again, we had 50 million square feet of under climate control, you know, of office space. So we had a lot of laboratories. Digital twins were a big part of it. Initially, we just connected and measured and being able to simulate. Can't overemphasize the ability to do that and what the impact that made. We went carbon neutral and actual water neutral as well in several of our campuses and taking an ecological approach. Our Mangalore campus, for example, it was basically just a big old hill, a couple hundred acres of just dirt. And if you look at it today, it's a rainforest. And it actually reintroduced several dozen species back as well. So beyond some of the good business things, there are plenty of good for the planet types of things. A couple other ones I want to mention. One, we wanted to tackle a problem with our offsets, not just by, I hate to say, writing a check, but doing some good. And there were, in India, a lot of villages still where people were burning wood. Basically, it was a health hazard and identified a way to do biogas, methane, you know, cut cow dung and basically build these ways of capturing it. And then burning that was much, much cleaner, which also created a lot of jobs in this whole ecosystem. So it actually created 3,000 jobs. It saved many lives, certainly improved a lot of people. And one other second order benefit was the people who were gathering wood all day were typically the young girls, young children, who didn't go to school because they were busy doing this. When that went away, it freed up the time for them to go to school. So now you have a population of young women who are now educated. By taking this approach to carbon offsets, instead of just writing a check for it, it had a very good virtuous cycle created. When you are 
trying to do good, think about the different ways you can have, have an impact and not just because you're offsetting or doing something that's right in front of you. I think that's terrific advice. For myself, I sponsor a lot of startups and startups in space, space economy is booming. It's going to be trillion dollars by 2030, supposedly. But when you look at these startups, what's been exciting and what I want to double down on what you said about India is I sponsored three years ago, it was mostly US. Two years ago, it was somewhat international. This year, it's all international. And it's all about doing good in the local environment through sustainability, whether it is to plant mangrove forests or look at energy escaping from buildings because they're poorly insulated. It's really an interesting one. So I think the startups that we're seeing is doing a fantastic job locally, but once you can move that up into think of the satellites as a system, you can now monitor the entire world at the same time. And we're seeing that. In fact, AWS has already extended cloud into space. Elon, what do you think about this? We work with hundreds of companies and there's many, many different examples. I'm going to name a few, but before I do that, I just want to mention a framework, a mental model to allow companies that are interested in transitioning into a more sustainable business to make those decisions in a way that also benefit their business in addition to the environmental benefit. So there's four factors that I suggest companies to look at. Obviously, the economic benefit of the project, the digital transformation aspect of the project, if that project is going to help them become more sustainable for sure. Data, we are a data-centric company, also a digital technology company. So does the company have the data required to build those proofs of concepts and use cases? And the deployability. Once everything is said and done, do they actually have the capability to deploy those workloads in production? If you look at those four factors and score your projects relative to those things, then you can start prioritizing all the projects you have on your pipeline because companies may have multiple projects and they need to decide which ones to work on first, given the limited availability of resources. But in terms of specific examples, we are AWS, right? We also work with Amazon. So Amazon, we are working with them on agent-based model simulation of the entire Amazon supply chain, which is the largest supply chain in the world. The idea is that we want to simulate that and we can replay the entire supply chain so we can then use that information to come up with recommendations on how to decarbonize the supply chain. Another example is what we're doing with the London National History Museum, where we're helping them digitize the entire collection of species, including plants, insects, reptiles, amphibians, into a graph network that is then interpolated with a convolutional neural network using some machine learning to then understand the linkages between the species over the evolution of time to then come up with a biodiversity intactedness index that can then be used for multiple things. A third example is a startup that we work with called Good Chemistry where we actually built the largest Kubernetes cluster on any cloud towards the end of last year to simulate what is the exact molecule that destroys PFAS from the environment. PFAS is the forever chemical plastic that never dissolves because it's not biodegradable and it's been accumulating in the environment since the 50s and now it has reached all our water reservoirs. So the only way to destroy PFAS is by incineration. But now PFAS has been found inside human body and in the waters, so you can't really burn that. So then we needed to come up with a molecule 
that can actually break the bond of this chemical compound. So the only way to do that is by means of computational chemistry. And normally to find the solution for the problem, which is like finding a needle in a haystack the size of the Mount Everest, could take many years. We're able to do in three hours because we put together a cluster of one million computers, virtual computers together to accelerate the calculations. That's just a few examples, but to take a step back, first thing to do is really calculate your basic impact metrics and KPIs of your operations, understand how much renewable energy you use, how much recycled water you use, how much recycled waste, how much waste you produce, and then integrate all the information into your production process, calculating those metrics. And then from there, we then can come up with those recommendations on how to optimize your process for sustainability. Excellent. I wanted to switch into the practical part. So there is this long-term impact we all know about. And it's easy to throw up your hands and say it's hopeless. However, what we're seeing is this resurgence of energy, of positive action. So if we were to do, for instance, a 70-30 split, where the 70% is focused on what can we do now, and then 30% on what's going to happen later. I wanted to have you think about that. I'll give you an example that I think is extremely inspiring. It's something called Blue Dot Observatory in Australia. And it's monitoring at-risk bodies of water, 7,000 of them, all the time. And it's taking satellite data, and it's using this. And it's a website you can track it. Guess how much that costs to operate? It's $100 a month in total, including the satellite images. As listeners think about this, it is not only for the big guys with lots of budgets to do something here. It's something that we can all care about. We have examples of saving the koalas through this Amazon Sustainability Data Initiative, where through genomics, chlamydia, if you could vaccinate them against that, you could probably save the koalas, white sharks, etc. It's amazing what's happening. So Jeff, what are you seeing about this 70-30 split and what can we do now? When we were doing our research, especially for the book, Beyond, we wanted to focus on the 70-30 or the things that contributed the most. And if you think about contributors to greenhouse gas emissions, well, you've got, people don't realize, but the built environment, buildings, between the design, the operation, and the embodiment, you've got 39% or so of carbon emissions that are locked up. It's a huge area. And so smart buildings, building materials, I'm involved, you mentioned some startups involved with this, also with ag, and it's amazing what's going on now. Buildings are a big part of our lives. You've said 90% of our lives in and around buildings. They're a great place to start, not just being efficient, but also the way we design. The other, I won't steal the thunder from Elon, mentioned circularity. We work with Ellen MacArthur Foundation, these other folks as well, where you just build that into your design. In some industries, it's more pervasive and you can do more and some less. But in general, it is a concept everyone can grasp. You're beginning with the end in mind. If you think way back when, we used to recycle bottles. We're used to this reusable packaging in some concept already. And then, of course, with electricity and electrification, there's so much waste on the grid. We do a lot of work with energy transition, and so much of it's lost. In fact, as a double leap, had on from the old days, this idea of real and apparent power, there's so much that's lost in generating power. So simply being more efficient means we don't have to be quite as prolific. And last thing I'll say is in the area of agriculture, where we're doing fermentative research, that's so important because it's got the added dimension of feeding the population and the trade-offs are involved. For example, you might want to go organic, but at the same time, if your yields are dropping and 
every three seasons you're overrun with weeds and you have to make some changes. Again, I think a systems thinking approach is important. There are some great innovations, and I'm glad you're also working in the startup area. There are some companies, I'm working one particular based out of Ohio, that is a possibility of turning the entire field of carbon emissions into more of a sequestration by recovering cover crops and by destroying a lot of the weed seeds. You don't need pesticides. You need things like that. I think there's, for lack of a better word, a duality approach where you're being efficient today and making the most of what we have. And like you said, innovating by investing our time and our funds into these small but promising ventures of the future. Good. Is being carbon neutral enough? There's a growing voice in the science industry that says, no, we need to figure out how to take carbon out of the atmosphere. And the U.S. government has actually released some large contracts from the Department of Energy and others to do exactly that. So I think it's a green field, excuse the term, of opportunity for startups, but also for existing companies. You can take carbon out of the air, but how do you do that scale? Elon, what do you think about that? Yeah, so I think the conversation is definitely extending beyond carbon now into energy, into water, and into waste. So that brings me back to the circular economy story, right? So this is where I think what companies can do very practically is to align their businesses with the five business models for circular economy. For example, the circular supplies, where companies can replace single life cycle inputs with renewable or fully recyclable materials, right? instead of using a plastic bottle once and throwing it away, making sure that that can be taken back to the company and reused. So that goes into resource recovery. So companies need to start recovering their resources and energy from those disposed products. They can extend the product life by doing predictive maintenance, for example, using machine learning and IoT devices. The other one is sharing platforms. We know Uber, we know Airbnb, which enable the increased utilization rate of products through shared use, access, and ownership. Now, the new generation, they don't necessarily want to have a car or an apartment. They're okay with sharing and using as they need and pay as they go, just like as the cloud platform of AWS. That's what the least product as a service. So companies start offering their product, they, they offer access to their products and individuals don't necessarily have to own that. For me, if companies globally start aligning with those concepts, then we're naturally going to see an improvement in energy, water, and waste in addition to carbon disposal. If we could finish with some advice, Elon, what would you give? So my advice is to get started as soon as possible by calculating your impact metrics and KPIs, building a data lake focused on sustainability. With that, you'll be able to understand where your company is at now. So then you can start making recommendations for where you want to be in the near future. Fantastic. Uh, Jeff, look at what you can control and get started immediately. Learn as much as you can. Take time to learn and then share and incorporate. That learning and sharing cycle will create bigger ideas faster. And more importantly, it will continue to help you self-correct because the buzzword of today might not be the real value driver of tomorrow. Fantastic. For myself, I would say to businesses, take advantage of industry hype because it gives you PR immediately. So this time it's generative AI. Create an intelligent digital 
systems for sustainability. And you will get a lot more participants as satellites like Hyper will create more participants. So thank you for that sage advice, Lang Leisure and Jeff Cavanaugh. And also very warm thank you to our listeners. And hopefully you will all help us save our planet starting now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review. Visit aws.amazon.com executiveinsights for more on these topics.